Today's podcast comes from our online service on Sunday the 25th of April. Warm welcome, especially to everyone listening today by telephone. And I just have a few notices just before we start off. Um, Next Sunday, we're going to have a service in the Mount Kirk. That will be another joint service with East East End uh, Church, and that will be at half past ten. I have been having problems with Eventbrite this week. Uh, I still haven't figured out what the problem is. Um, So that is not set up uh, today as yet. But if you would like to book a place for the service, if you just private message me on Facebook and I'll put your name down. Uh, Or if you want to telephone and just leave a message on the answering machine, that's fine uh, as well. Um, If you do want to order by Eventbrite, if you check uh, later this evening, hopefully I'll be able to get it working again. Um, But if not, you can always message or phone otherwise. Regarding being at East End uh, Church, it, it's the hope, uh, depending on uh, permission from Presbytery, we're waiting for permission from Presbytery to start our services up in the new building in Greenock East End. And hopefully we will be able to do that by the following Sunday. Now, I literally just received a, a notice from the Church of Scotland uh, yesterday uh, regarding changes to the numbers allowed uh, in worship in churches. Uh, and I think the government is going to lift the restriction for 50 people within a building, but they're not changing the restrictions of two-metre distancing. So that may or may not change things uh, significantly. I'll maybe have to measure out during the week and see what can be done. Um I don't think we'll be able to increase the capacity from 50 by very much at Mount Cook, but hopefully by the following week we'll be able to start up services at Green at East End, and uh, I'll let you know about more about that next week. Um, also, I just wanted to say a happy birthday. Um, it's Lorna McNeil's 80th birthday today. And uh, I just wish you every blessing, Lorna, on your birthday. I'm sure from everybody watching and listening as well, wish you a happy birthday too. And I hope you have a great day. A couple of other wee things. Uh, Some of you will have seen that uh, there's a lot of people doing the kilt walk over the past few days to raise money for charities, the virtual kilt walk, which this year uh, the Hunter Foundation has decided to increase uh, anything that you raise by 50%. So I've been doing the kilt walk, Sheila's been doing kilt walk for a Kidron project and uh, I know the boys from the Haven have been doing it as well. Um, So I've been doing the kilt walk for Young Life and uh, I decided to walk the cut the whole way around uh, and I did that on Friday and I think I have some pictures I'll share with you just now. There's some photographs I took while I was walking around the cut. Uh, it was an absolutely beautiful day uh, for walking. Uh, my feet were very sore <laughs> by the time I finished. It's all the little stony bits that um, are, are quite tricky. But uh, it was a lovely day and uh, had a great walk around the cut. So today I think I've raised £650, which is absolutely fantastic. And I uh, just want to say a big thank you to everyone who has given towards that already. 
Um, for those that perhaps don't know, we've been in, working in partnership with Young Life for a few years now, and we organise to take uh, young people uh, from our youth group. Uh, we have a monthly youth club, and we've taken them away to summer camps, weekends away, and we've done other events uh, during the year as well. If anybody would still like to give towards that, it's not too late. I think we have up till May the 3rd. Um, so if you would like to give to that, there's a link uh, to my Kilt Walk page in the description on Facebook. I'll post it on YouTube as well uh, if folks would like that. Um, or if you'd like the details, just message me uh, and we can figure out another way uh, to do it. Okay, go back to my camera. Okay, so I think that's everything I was going to mention uh, today. Um, so we're just going to join together in worship, spend time in prayer and singing together, uh, worshipping God together, listening to God's word in the scriptures. And then I have a, a message at the, towards the end of our service today. Uh, so wherever you are, uh, just join with me as we just commit our time to the Lord uh, in prayer together. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We thank you that you are with us as we gather across this town and across the nations. We thank you that you have sent your Holy Spirit upon your church to lead us and guide us, inspire us and equip us to follow Jesus in the world today. And as we bring our worship, we bring our thanks and praise for all that you have done for us and Lord for all that you call us to do for your glory and your praise Lord we thank you that you are the one who created us the one who watches over us the one who gives us life we thank you that you are the one who sent your son Jesus into this world to be our saviour who with the Holy Spirit we worship you, Father. Father, Son and Spirit, we bring you our praise and thanksgiving. And Lord, in these moments, encourage us, build us up, Lord. Build us up in our faith, lift our spirits, give us hope and fill our hearts with your joy and with your love. And Lord, as we prepare ourselves for the week ahead, equip us to live out our faith in Jesus as faithful disciples, as we listen to Jesus and follow his example. So Lord, bless us, we pray. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. And so we join together in the prayer that Jesus taught his first disciples as we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Okay, we're going to sing uh, a couple of hymns and Sheila's also uh, done a little prayer uh, for us. I'll share as well. I've got a, a little video of my walk up the cut 
uh, which I'll show at the same time as the prayer. Uh, some lovely scenery uh, up there. So we're going to sing, first of all, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling, and then Amazing Grace after that. <laughs> Excelling joy of heaven to earth come down, fix in us thy humble dwelling, all thy faithful mercies crown. Jesus, thou art all compassion, pure unbounded love, thou Salvation enter every trembling heart. Breathe, oh, breathe thy loving spirit into every troubled breast.
Father God, on a beautiful Sunday afternoon, we just give you thanks for so many things. For the Easter holidays, for schools being back, for the gradual lifting of restrictions, allowing us to travel around Scotland and seeing all the beautiful scenery. And for tomorrow, for most of our shops to reopen, um, being able to be with more people outside, you know, we've take it, we take nothing for granted. Just the appreciation of the small things. Help us this week to be focused on you, to be patient as things readjust. We look forward to being together in church next week, and we are thankful. We're just thankful for the lighter nights, for more sunshine, um, and everything around us. Amen.
Okay, um, if you have a Bible at home, I'm going to read from the book of Acts in the New Testament and feel free to read along with me if you wish. And uh, I'm going to read from Acts chapter 1 and over the next few weeks I'm going to be uh, taking some key moments in the book of Acts on what happened after the resurrection of Jesus and his ascension into heaven and looking at what the early Christians did and how God guided them and directed them in those early days of the church. I'm not going to work my way through the whole book of Acts. It's a big book. It's 28 chapters. That would take us far too long. But just going to look at key moments and key touch points uh, in the book. So I'm reading from Acts chapter 1 and from verse 1. And just to kind of clarify things at the beginning, when... The book starts, it's speaking in the first person with, with I. It starts in my former book, Theophilus. I wrote to you about all that Jesus began to do and teach. And this is actually Luke writing here. So the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts uh, are both together uh, written by uh, Luke, uh, who wrote the Gospel. And so this is really part two of Luke's Gospel uh, in effect. So Luke says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. And after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. 
They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who had been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask that you would bless this reading of your holy word. Wherever we are listening and reading today, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us all. That we would hear your voice in the scriptures clearly. That you would help us to understand it. And help us to know deep in our hearts how we respond to your word today. And to take action. And to listen to your lead and direction. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, this passage that we read today is, it's the very last day that the disciples were with Jesus, with, with him in the flesh. And so this would have been a very important day for them. One that would have really stood out in their memory. And I wanted to kind of tie in a question for, for you listening today uh, into this story. And I know this question might be difficult, maybe a bit upsetting for some people uh, to try and answer. But if this was your last day on earth and you knew it was your last day, where would you go and what would you do? If folks want to type something in the, the chat and Facebook, feel free uh, to do so. Uh, you, you obviously don't have to. Uh, but if you want a wee bit of time to think about that question, it's it's an important question to ask ourselves. Um, because often it can, uh, it reveals a little bit about us and what's important to us, about if this was my last day on earth, where would I go? Who would I be with for me? Um, probably our favourite place to go for myself and Sheila is to go to Balach uh, by Loch Lomond. I spent a huge amount of my childhood there. I grew up uh, just on the edge between Balach and Alexandria, the Vale of Leven. Um, so I know Balach very well. And it's just one of our favourite places to go. Um, so for me, that's probably where I would go. And I would want to be with my family. Um, if I knew this was my last day, that's how I would spend it. So I don't know. I'll have a wee look and see if anybody else has put anything in the, the chat window. Uh, so someone says, uh, Alexa's home with my wife and children. Uh, Sharon, right where I am, which is my home. I think for many of us, it's, it's certainly family is important, home is important, and maybe special places where we like to visit. Um, Sheila says, to be surrounded with family and friends. Carolyn, spend it with my family and loved ones. Um, so I think we would probably all answer uh, fairly closely uh, on that question, similar kinds of things. Um, and what we see here in the beginning of Acts, it's a, a similar kind of day. And I'm not sure the disciples really 
anticipated what was going to happen. Um, you know, after Jesus had died on the cross and they witnessed that and then they saw him risen again from the dead, they had gone from despair and hopelessness to joy, uh, the joy of just being with Jesus again and seeing him risen. And that roller coaster of emotions that they had gone through and now finding out that he's going to leave them and ascend to heaven, uh, some of them must have been panicking at that point. And so Jesus takes them aside and Jesus, knowing that this is his last moment physically with his disciples, has important things to say to them. And I'm sure that the disciples looking back in time to this day, remembering what happened, would have given more importance to what Jesus said to them on this particular day. And when we look at what he said in Acts 1, 4 and 5, I've got a little slide I can bring up on the screen. Uh, Jesus the, said to them, the first thing he says is, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So this was something really important Jesus wanted them to understand. And if you've read any of the book of Acts, you'll know in the next chapter that what Jesus told them would happen did happen. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem. But this was after Jesus had left them. Now, when Jesus rose again from the dead, there was 40 days between his resurrection and this day when he ascended to heaven, his last day with the disciples. 40 days and then from his resurrection to the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came on the disciples was 50 days. So that was a Jewish feast and Pentecost come from uh, I think the Greek word pente which means five. So Pentecost was 50 days from uh, Passover which was when Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead. So there was a big Jewish festival in Jerusalem uh, over Pentecost and so that meant the disciples had to wait 10 days for this to happen and so they stayed there in Jerusalem just as Jesus had told them to wait for the Holy Spirit and when the Holy Spirit came upon them they spoke in other languages and the people in Jerusalem there for the festival could hear and understand what they were saying. They were filled with boldness to go out and preach the gospel. Uh, God had given them miraculous gifts and signs that when they preached the gospel, uh, miraculous things happened. People were healed, the dead were raised, all sorts of amazing things happened. But they had to first wait for that to happen. When I was reading through this passage, it struck me the irony between the urgency of what Jesus is saying to them and yet he's telling them to wait. Later on, as we're going to read uh, a little bit later on in Acts, uh, towards the end of this uh, passage, 
uh, Jesus ascends to heaven and the angels who are there tell the disciples, well, he's coming back again. He's going to come back the same way that you left him. And so all of what Jesus has been telling the disciples is important and there's an urgency to it. The Holy Spirit is important for whatever God is going to do in their lives and what God wants them to do. And yet, to receive the Holy Spirit, we have to stop. We have to wait. So my voice is getting a little bit hoarse. Excuse me. Get a little drink. <clears throat> we we'll have to stop and wait. And so much of life is busy, isn't it? You know, everybody's busy. We've all got things to do. We've all got responsibilities, whether it's for family or children or grandchildren or uh, elderly parents, um, work, all sorts of responsibilities in life. And life is busy for everyone. And it can also be very busy in church life as well. Um, there's a lot of things to do, a lot of things to be done, a lot of things to be taken care of, whether you're employed as staff in the church or you're a volunteer or just you come along to worship. There's always things to do. And yet, what Jesus is telling his disciples here is that if they want to be effective, they're going to have to slow down. They're going to have to stop being busy for these next 10 days and to pray and wait. I don't find waiting very easy at all. And I get frustrated very often waiting for things. I'm awful in supermarkets waiting for a queue. If I see one queue longer than the other, if I'm in that queue, I'll jump to another one that looks shorter. And uh, I'll keep doing that till I find the shortest queue. I hate waiting in lines. I hate waiting in queues. Um, and maybe for a lot of us, we don't like waiting for things. And in today's world, with all the technology we have, everything is instant. Everything happens almost instantly. And we can have expectations that life is going to be like that as well, but it just isn't. And God sometimes isn't like that either. There are certain things that we have to wait for, to slow down, to take time. And I do sometimes wonder if as the church and as individual followers of Jesus as well, if we would be far more effective for God's kingdom, if we slowed down, if we stopped, if we waited and listened to God. And it's interesting that many of the great revivals of the church that have taken place in history, I think of the great revival in Lewis in the Western Isles in 1949, the great Welsh revival, in 1905, where 100,000 people became followers of Jesus in the space of a year. Um, past revivals always began with God's people coming together to do nothing else but pray and wait on God. Isn't that interesting? That the church has always been far more effective when it has just stopped and gathered together and prayed it's perhaps an important lesson for all of us in that. But then the second thing that Jesus says to his disciples is in verse 7. See, just before this they get distracted 
they start asking about, Lord, when are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He just told them about the Holy Spirit and now they're off on something else. They've become distracted. And Jesus tries to bring them back to what he wants them to know. He says to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus has had to bring them back to another priority. He wants them to have in their minds as, as he prepares them for when he's going to leave them. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they are going to take the gospel to the whole world. To go beyond Jerusalem, to go into Judea. Judea was the part of the nation in the south because Israel was divided in two. Um, you had um, Israel, the north, Judea in the south. And of course, Gal at that point, Galilee was in the north. And Samaria was a tiny little part of the nation. It was landlocked between all the other parts and to the end of the earth. Jesus tells them. So there's two priorities Jesus has given them here. You need the Holy Spirit and you have to wait for him. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, take the gospel to the ends of the earth. That This good news is good news for everyone. It's not just for the city of Jerusalem. It's not just for the surrounding area. It's not just for a particular race, the Jewish race, which all the disciples were Jewish at that point. It was for everyone across the whole earth. And so, until that is done, our work isn't done. But that job is not done by just being busy and necessarily doing more, although that is important. Taking the gospel does require effort, it requires courage, it requires boldness, but more than anything else, it requires the Holy Spirit. You know, nobody is converted to becoming a follower of Jesus by mere words of persuasion or by eloquent speech or by even the most powerful preaching. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that a person becomes born again and becomes a true follower of Jesus. And so all the activity that we do, all the effort that we put in, while important if we don't have the Holy Spirit with it, 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 it can be completely fruitless. And so we need the Holy Spirit but we also have to take action. And here the, there is another danger that we can become so focused on worshipping, praying, reading our Bible, doing all of those things which we should be doing. But if we don't act, if we don't do anything with it, if we don't do anything about it, then we're actually only doing half of what God has called us to do. We need the Holy Spirit and we need to take the gospel 
to the nations. And that's for all of us. It's not just for preachers. It's not just for evangelists and missionaries. It's for every Christian. It's for every follower of Jesus. And yes, this message of Jesus was very specific to his own disciples. But the same principles apply to all of us uh, even today. And then Jesus ascends to heaven. And we're told there in verse 10, Verse 9, after this he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going and suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. So the last message was not from Jesus' lips himself, but from the angels who were there after Jesus ascended. And I've got just a picture um, of verse 11 up on the screen uh, just now. The angels say to the disciples, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Now, one thing very clear in the Gospels is Jesus promised that one day he would return. And he spoke repeatedly to his disciples that he was going to suffer and die on the cross and he would rise again from the dead. And they were a little bit slow in taking that in. And even when, it, when all of that was happening, they still didn't quite get it. They still didn't quite understand but Jesus also told them repeatedly that after all of this, he would return to this earth as both king and judge of this world. And the Bible also tells us that when Jesus returns in his resurrected body, that we too will be raised with him if we have died in the Lord. So what the angels here are talking about is, it's in the Bible it's called the last day. The day when Jesus returns, when all that is wrong is put right, when God's justice is served out on the entire world, when all of us will face Jesus as our Lord and judge, when the dead are raised to life, and we get these new resurrected bodies that the Bible it tells us about. But Jesus also indicates that the gospel will continue to be preached around the world until that day. So in other words, until he returns, we have to keep doing the things he told us to do. So wait for the Holy Spirit take the gospel to the nations, rinse and repeat until I return. And don't stop. Don't stop no matter what happens. Do not stop. And it's interesting that the early Christians lived with a real expectation that Jesus could return at any moment. 
you know, we're told that the disciples were still looking up into the sky. They, maybe they thought he was going to come back down again right there and then. But, but that wasn't God's plan. But they realized that they still had to carry out what Jesus told them to do. And so when they received the Holy Spirit, they went out and they did preach the gospel to the nations. They took the gospel far and wide. The Apostle Paul got as far as the east coast of Spain. Um, Mark, one of the disciples who wrote the gospel, went to Egypt. Thomas, the one who was the doubter, doubting Thomas, took the gospel to India. And the Christians of southern India can trace the church in that part of the world right back to the first century, to Thomas when he first went there. And so the gospel did spread throughout the known world at that time. But the disciples still lived with that excitement and expectation that Jesus could return any moment. And so they had to keep going. There's a verse in First Peter where Peter anticipates that many years in the future, maybe people were even saying it then. You know, he said he was going to come back and look at all this time. Where is he? And Peter says that to God, a thousand years is but a day. And a day is a thousand years. And there, Time is immaterial to God. So if it takes a thousand years, if it takes two thousand years or three thousand years, that is nothing to God. The fact that we have to wait is our problem, not God's problem. But Jesus has promised that he will return. And he has given us a, a great task. He has given, given us a great mission to fulfill. And he has given us the Holy Spirit to help us. That we are not just left on our own to just get on with it. We're not just left on our own to live the Christian life in our own power. We're given the Holy Spirit to empower us, to equip us, to enable us to do all that Jesus called us to do. And I, I, I am certain that with the Holy Spirit, we will be able to fulfill what Jesus has called us to do. We will be far more effective uh, in the church, in our own personal lives, as disciples of Jesus, in whatever way he may call you. We will pray together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message in the book of Acts today. As the disciples spent that final day with Jesus, a day which would have lived in their memory with such importance to them. And we see in the way that they responded to Jesus that they did just as he asked. Lord, I ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Equip us to follow Jesus. Pour out your gifts upon your people. And Lord, for anyone listening or watching today that hasn't asked for the Holy Spirit, 
pray that they would have the boldness and courage to ask. Jesus himself told us regarding the Holy Spirit to ask and it will be given. So Lord, help us to continue to ask, to ask boldly for your Spirit. And Lord, give us boldness to share the message of Jesus with others. We may not be called to the ends of this earth, but we are called to our family. We are called to our street. We are called to our town. And some may be called to the nation and other nations of the world. Lord, give us courage and give us boldness and give us reassurance that Jesus goes with us. And that the Holy Spirit will give us the words to say and also guide us when to keep our mouths shut. And Lord, give us an urgency in our spirit. An urgency of the importance of what you call us to do. A sense of urgency knowing that Jesus could return at any moment. And what if this were our last day on earth? How would we spend it? So Lord, help us to make the right things our priority. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we've come to the end of our service now and I just want to thank everyone for watching in and listening. And uh, if you give me five minutes, I'm going to grab a coffee and I will be on Zoom if anybody wants to join us for a chat. There's a link in the description on Facebook uh, for this post and I'll also put it on YouTube uh, as well. Um, so don't forget, next Sunday, service in Mount Kirk at half past ten, if you want to book for that, a private message me on Facebook or you can phone as well. And hopefully I'll get Eventbrite sorted by the end of today or by tomorrow. And you can book a ticket that way as well. So I'm just going to ask God's blessing upon everyone listening and watching. And also for those listening later on the podcast and listening by telephone too. Now may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and always. Amen. Take care everyone and I'll see you all later. Bye now.